This recording is brought to you by Whitworth University. To hear additional programs, please visit www.whitworth.edu backslash podcast. It is now my pleasure to introduce this morning's convocation speaker, Dr. Carol Simon, Whitworth's provost and executive vice president. As provost, Carol's responsibilities are chiefly to keep our academic programs in good order, to support faculty in their important callings as teachers and scholars and mentors, and to ensure students are well equipped to take advantage of the many academic opportunities that are available here at Whitworth. And speaking of academic programs, Carol's responsibilities include ensuring that Whitworth's array of programs simultaneously exposes students to both the scope and depth of a high-quality liberal arts education, while simultaneously ensuring that students are prepared for careers and lives post-graduation. In her dual role as Executive Vice President, Carol is the second highest ranking administrator on campus and takes on additional responsibilities to assist me in stewarding all of the university's activities and resources. Dr. Simon is an accomplished philosophical scholar and teacher. She is called upon often to speak about faith learning integration, faculty development, and the role of the Christian liberal arts tradition. Increasingly, she is also being called upon to speak to academic leaders across the country on topics such as academic and budget prioritization and strategic enrollment planning. Go figure. She has authored, co-authored, or edited five books, including Can Hope Endure? A Historical Case Study in Christian Higher Education, and Mentoring for Mission, Nurturing New Faculty at Church-Related Colleges. Since coming to Whitworth in the summer of 2013, Carol and her husband Steve have immersed themselves into the Whitworth and Spokane communities, hosting many events at their home and attending various campus activities. Having worked now closely with Carol for nearly five years, I'm continually impressed by her passionate advocacy for our academic programs and for you, faculty and students, and by her growing reputation as a national leader in conversations that are increasingly important to the academy. She tirelessly supports excellence in all of her areas of responsibility, and she brings a thoughtful and faithful voice to university discussions and decision-making. I am proud that Carol is a part of our community, and I'm grateful that she is my friend, indeed our friend. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Carol Simon. Carol. Thank you, Beck, uh, for that very generous introduction. Two weeks ago, when I was stuck in traffic on a Seattle freeway, I looked at the rear windshield of the car in front of me. The decal on the window asserted in big, bold letters, mayhem is everywhere. My first thought was that this was a social commentary, and then I saw in smaller letters underneath, Allstate Insurance. The Allstate Insurance Company has been scaring people into buying its product uh, <laughs> using the personification of mayhem for quite a few years now. 
But as we transition from 2017 and embark on 2018, mayhem is everywhere seems distressingly apropos. For many, 2017 will be remembered as a year of disaster. We had so many disasters that it's hard to fathom that they all happened in the same span of time. As search crews dug the last of the bodies out of the mudslides near Santa Barbara last month, it was hard to comprehend that it had only been months since Hurricane Harvey battered Texas, Hurricane Irma punished Florida, and Hurricane Maria left somewhere between 64 and 1,000 people dead in Puerto Rico. Last year, wildfires killed 40 people in California alone and destroyed at least 1,000 houses, leaving over 9,000 acres of scorched land. $300 billion is the current estimate of the economic damage from disasters in the United States in 2017. The human cost outstrips our comprehension. Not all 2017 disasters were acts of nature. 2017 was also the deadliest year for mass shootings in the United States. In August, the deadliest single mass shooting by an individual in U.S. history left 58 concert goers in Las Vegas dead and over 500 injured. In November, 26 people worshiping in the First Baptist Church of Sutherland, Texas, were shot to death within a matter of seconds. Closer to home, Freeman High School students expecting a normal day of school were terrorized by a shooter who left one classmate dead and uh, three injured. Any remaining illusion that our lives contain safe spaces was stripped away in 2017. Given the polarization of politics in the U.S., 2017 is likely also viewed as a political disaster by millions of Americans. Some think that the disaster started with last year's presidential inauguration. Others think that 2017 was a disaster because too many of the initiatives of the current administration have been blocked by courts and congressional resistance. When faced with the extreme uncertainty that a string of disasters generates, one natural human response is to focus on self-protection. This was certainly true of ancient Israel and Judah. When faced with political threat, Judah and Israel made alliances that they thought would keep them more secure. When faced with economic stress, those who were prosperous in Israel and Judah hoarded their wealth and closed their hearts to the needy. They also prayed for protection, worshiping God not for God's own sake, but because they thought that if they performed the right religious rituals, God would rescue them. To their shock, none of these strategies saved them from invasion, exile, and suffering. It's into this situation of dread and ineffectual self-protection that the prophet Isaiah speaks. Like ancient Judah, we too live in a time when dread and ineffectual self-protectiveness are tempting default reactions to a world of unrest 
and daunting challenges. Isaiah is not selling insurance or campaigning for a political party. Isaiah is urging his listeners to know the heart of the living God. Isaiah is calling his listeners to be shaped by God's steadfast love and compassion. Isaiah reminds us that those who love what God loves will loosen the bonds of injustice, free the oppressed, shelter the homeless, feed the hungry, bring relief to the afflicted. Those who love what God loves will be too busy getting on with countering evil with good to spend their time in pointing fingers at others. Isaiah prophesies that the fruit of all this love-inspired activity will bless both the oppressed and those who, for God's sake, act on behalf of the oppressed. God will be the vindicator and protector of both the afflicted and those who attend to the afflicted. Gloom will be replaced by noonday. Parched land will become a watered garden. Ruins will be restored. Life will be livable again. And this will not just be temporary. Isaiah tells us that many generations will be grateful and recount the fame of those who will be called repairers of the breach. As an enduring global vision for all humanity, this seems like a pipe dream. Human history bears witness to the fact that the full realization of this vision must, to use a big theological word, be eschatological. For ancient Judah, this text in Isaiah looked forward to a time when the Messiah would reign. For the Christian church, this text looks forward to a time when Christ will fully reconcile creation and God's will will be done always and everywhere on earth as it is in heaven. Yet this text gives us no help and no guidance unless it spurs us to seriously consider the example of people like Ron Fraze, who we honored here today. We must become people who act on the hope that sacrificial love for others will create outposts of restoration and flourishing, even in our fractured here and now. Since 1819, Whitworth University has been providing its students with an education of mind and heart. This convocation calls us together to express gratitude for God's blessings on Whitworth and to pray for the strength to continue Whitworth's mission. We are here to pray for guidance in honoring God, following Christ, and serving humanity. At Whitworth, we believe that the liberal arts empower our graduates, no matter what their major or career path, toward lifelong learning, professional success, and meaningful social engagement. Such an education equips Whitworth graduates to become what Isaiah calls repairers of the breach. Sorry, dry mouth. Repairing the breach goes beyond disaster relief and volunteerism, though it does include those types of service. Homes do need to be rebuilt. 
after fires, floods, and hurricanes, people do need grief counseling, medical care, and physical therapy after mass shootings. But restorers of the breach will also work for structural change to make future disasters less likely. They will investigate the causes of climate change and advocate for policies to make natural disasters less frequent and destructive. They will take in refugees, but they will also work for political and diplomatic solutions to the human conflicts that result in refugee crises. They will house the homeless, but they will also find and fight the causes of homelessness. This all sounds very technological and social scientific, but the point of Whitworth's mind and heart education goes beyond ensuring that future financiers, psychologists, sociologists, food scientists, engineers, and healthcare professionals use their expertise to solve human problems and improve physical infrastructures. A January issue of Time magazine was headlined The Optimists, and it featured a collection of essays for which Bill Gates served as guest editor. The impressive array of authors voiced their confidence that social activism, um, prudent economic policy, and technological innovation would continue to make human life better in the future than it is now. Activism and technological interventions are good and necessary, and I'm confident that Whitworth graduates will continue to be well-equipped to contribute to them. But a Christian liberal arts education is rooted in something deeper than these sources of optimism. Isaiah says that those who are shaped by the love of what God loves will have their needs satisfied in parched places and become springs of living water whose waters never fail. The springs of living water provided by a liberal arts education include sources of enduring delight. A liberal arts education equips people to benefit from the legacy of wisdom and beauty in the best of the world's literature, history, philosophy, music, dance, drama, and the visual arts. People in the United States and around the world are suffering from thirst for more than physical water. Cases of what Brookings Institute researchers call deaths of despair are rising, especially among those in the United States who lack a college education. The researchers speculate that the rising mortality rate among those who lack a college degree is partially due to the lack of economic resiliencies that, just, um, that these degrees provide. However, a recent Chronicle of Higher Education article called why education matters to your health, points out that the correlation between a college education and health is independent of socioeconomic status. Why would lack of a college education impair the health of those who found job security and sufficient income without a college education? The Christian liberal arts tradition has an answer to this question. Without sources of profound and enduring delight, human beings try to fill their God-given thirst for knowledge and beauty with novelty and amusement. They seek what Christian philosopher Blaise Pascal, Pascal called diversion. Pascal observed, the only thing which consoles us in our misery is diversion, and yet diversion is the greatest of our miseries. 
For it is diversion which principally hinders us from reflecting on ourselves and which makes us insensibly ruin ourselves. Diversion amuses us and leads us unconsciously to death. Diversion has become a multi-billion dollar industry in our world. This industry generates increasingly novel ways for people to fill their waking hours. Diversion can temporarily mask despair, but in its most physical and uh, physically destructive forms, diversion leads to death by violence, addiction, and who are self-reflective and discerning. An excellent liberal arts education should produce people who are self-reflective and discerning about what pursuits are worthy of the largest share of their time and energy. Such people grasp the difference between diversion and delight. Such people relish participating in a transgenerational quest for what matters most in human flourishing. The Christian tradition affirms that our thirst for knowledge and beauty is not just God-given, but is ultimately God-directed. Simone Weil in her book, Waiting for God, says that the longing to love the beauty of the world is essentially the longing for the incarnation. As Augustine told us long ago, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. Christ's incarnation, death, and resurrection is the means that God has provided for our access to this rest. At Whitworth, we have the blessing of being able to be explicit about these deepest springs of meaning, hope, and joy. This semester presents one more opportunity for us to join in God's restoration project and become repairs of the breach. With God's help, generations to come will be grateful for what you are building through providing an education of mind and heart. May God bless you in these endeavors.